Here we go. You're listening to Rumination Thursday on this Monday, Thursday, April the 6th in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is Pastor Wes Reimnitz. Good morning, Wes. Good morning, Tom. How are you? Pretty good. And what are we going to be talking about today? Uh, I thought we'd talk about the Bible. Oh, that's pretty good. Any specific point? <laughs> uh, well, it is Monday, Thursday. It would behoove us to spend a little time talking about Monday, Thursday, perhaps a little bit about Good Friday. But uh, Monday, Thursday... And uh, the purpose of Monday, Thursday. Yes. In fact, um, I'll tell you, you go to the Internet and you look up things, what is the Lutheran view of the Lord's Supper? And here was one view, and I want you to respond to it. Uh, The Lord's Supper in Lutheranism does not give any gifts. It is only a remembrance of Jesus dying on the cross. Is that correct? (laughs) What internet are you using? That Um, is wild. No, all you have to do is look it up. What is the Lutheran view on the Lord's Supper? And you get a number of statements that, in my view, are really quite ridiculous. But that was one of them, that there's no gifts involved. It's just a remembrance, because Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And it's as though we're just supposed to remember what he had done on the cross. Well, that, How do we disagree and, with that? Well, he, he said, this is my body, this is my blood. And he, he said, take eat, take drink. And uh, it, it reminds me of a, of a reformed friend of mine from years ago. He said, "This he says we do it just for the remembrance. We don't do it for for the body and blood." He didn't believe that there was body and blood in, in with and under the bread and the wine. That that comes from Calvin. And why did Calvin teach that you're not receiving the true body and blood of Jesus Christ in the sacrament? What was his view of the two natures of Christ? Well, wasn't he the one that that said Christ can be present everywhere? His body locally has to be in heaven. Exactly. Yeah, he makes a distinction between the humanity and divinity of Christ and does not believe what we believe about the humanity, that when Jesus ascended into heaven to the right hand of God the Father Almighty, that what happened was that his human nature received all the qualities of the divine nature also, in the sense that, number one, he was omnipresent, which means he was present everywhere in his human nature. He was omnipotent, 
which means he's all-powerful, and he was omniscience. What does that mean? Omniscient knows is all-knowing. All-powerful. the past, the present, and the future at all times. In a recent adult instruction class, I was asked the question, did Jesus before the creation of the world know that he was going to go to the cross? And what is our answer to that? Well, of course he did. Yes. Yes, he's all-knowing. And there was a very interesting Roman Catholic priest that wrote a book on how the world could have been created. And he had about, I think, six or seven ways in which he thought the world could have been created differently than it was. Then at the end of the book, he decided which way was the best way. And guess which way he decided. It's got to be the way God God created the heavens and the earth. That's right. That God created it knowing that there was going to be sin in the world. The best way to take care of that sin was that God would come and die on the cross for our sins. That's really, really important. But is it not true that there are different views on the Lord's Supper from different Christian denominational points of view? Well, yeah, traditionally, and in confirmation, uh, we we teach the three views, the Reformed view, the Lutheran's view, and the Roman Catholic's view. Let's start off with the Roman Catholic view. What do they uh, believe that they're receiving? They were receiving. They're receiving the, the body and blood of Christ. It is in the uh, communion. They, uh, the words of communion are, are spoken. This is my body. This is my blood. And it's actually turned into bread. Uh, the bread is actually turned into the body, and the the blood is is uh, the wine is actually turned into the blood. Even though you see bread and wine and you taste bread and wine, uh, it is really the body and blood of Christ. They call or that call transubstantiation. transubstantiation. And right. that word means trans, means a cross, and the substance. Like, they use this example. If uh, you catch a fox and it's missing a leg, is it still a fox? Yeah. Yes. In other words, the elements, or what they call the accidents, A-C-C-I-D-E-N-S, the eyes, the ears, the legs, that can be missing, and yet it's still a fox. So they believe that the accidents, namely how bread tastes, how it looks like, looks 
and tastes like bread, but in reality, the substance, the essence of the bread has been transformed into the body of Christ and the wine, as you said, has been transformed into the blood. In fact, Luther believed that, didn't he, at first? At first he did. Well, I was going to say that brings up all these kind of wild aberrations where people said they've they've seen the body of uh, the the bread uh, uh, spilling blood out of it. No, Hmm. I've never heard that. That's interesting. But the fact is that they do believe it's changed into body and blood. And Luther believed that because once he had spilt some of the wine on the altar rail, what did he do? Do you remember? Well, no, I did, that one, I didn't know he, he had sp- done that. He took a knife and scraped the wine off the altar because where, where the people knelt to receive the Lord's Supper because he thought that was the blood. I've I've heard of uh, priests and pastors cutting parts of the carpet out of the the altar area because they spilled wine onto the altar. I've seen that. Now, we believe from 1 Corinthians 10 Does it not say, and the bread we break, is it not the body of Christ? And the cup, is it not the blood? So we as Lutherans, we don't believe it changes into body and blood, but somehow in, with, and under Under. the bread and the wine is the body and blood of Christ. Right. We still see bread and we still see wine, but in, with, and under, God has transformed it into body and blood. Yes, that in, with, and under it somehow is that body and blood. Uh, The fact of the matter is, is we have a good example of Moses on Mount Sinai, and there's a burning bush there. And God is present in the burning bush. Moses takes off his sandals. Is God a burning bush? Well, of course not. But he was in, with, and under. And Chemnitz, a great Lutheran scholar uh, with Luther, said a number of things that that occurs. How did God lead Israel through the wilderness? Uh, With a column uh, of of fire at night and a column of a a cloud by day. And is God a cloud? No. But he was in, with, and under. under. That's also true of the Holy Spirit. How did he appear at Jesus' baptism? Uh, he appeared as a dove. But exactly. He, 
in with an under eye, yeah. So there's ways to explain it where people understand that God is not a burning bush. He is not a cloud or a pillar of fire. He is not a dove, but he can take on those figures and he is still in with and under them. And that's how we believe the Lord's Supper. Now, do we believe that the Roman Catholics do receive the body and blood of Christ? Well, I always have taught that they have. They, yes. Even though they have a wrong view of it, still the words of institution are spoken. Yes, some recent priests that I've been reading about, they don't like saying that it's transubstantiation because they realize that's a philosophical theory. And they say, well, right now we really can't explain how it happens, but we do know that the bread and the wine become the body and blood of Christ. And they get away from the philosophical theory. They used to accuse Lutheranism of a similar theory, and that was consubstantiation. But we disagree with any philosophical theory. We can understand how God does it. But we do believe that they are receiving the body and blood of Christ because they say it. And you made a good point. Their explanation may be wrong, but that doesn't deny. Now, in contrast to that, how do the reform, the Calvin, the Baptists, and others, how do they understand the Lord's Supper? Well, as uh, it, it is a memorial feast, it's, it's a remembrance you do this and remember, obviously, his body's in heaven, so he can't be present in the, in, in the, the uh, bread and the wine. Yes. And so they do believe they're communing with Christ, but only with the Christ in heaven, not the Jesus on earth. You know, I asked a question once in a, a Bible class. Did Jesus ever appear in his humanity after he had arisen into heaven? I wasn't in that Bible class. Pardon? <laughs> I wasn't in that Bible class. No, but nobody could remember I came up with two instances. The one, what did Stephen say when he was being stoned? He saw the heavens open and it was ascending steps too, and he saw Christ at the top of the steps. And the other item I like to think about is a certain man on the road to Damascus. Ah, St. Paul, Paul the Apostle. What did he see or hear? He, he goes, he, then he was known as Saul, and, he, and 
Christ said to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He was on his way to Damascus to persecute the Christians that were there. And Jesus says, whatsoever you do to the least of me, these my brethren, you do unto me. Me, And so that was Jesus in his humanity and divinity. There's no place in the Bible where his humanity and divinity separate after the incarnation. Well, you only use two. We could also say on that Easter when he appeared to the disciples that evening. Could we not? And yes. My, my question, though, was after his ascension. Oh, after his ascension, Yes. Not oh, just after yeah. his resurrection. Resurrection, yeah. In fact, according to the Bible, how many people did he appear to after his resurrection at one time? I was going to say 400 or 100. It's 500. 500. Yeah, 500 yeah, people. I was only off by 100. Yeah, that's right. And uh, even after his resurrection... I find it interesting. He met with his disciples in Galilee, and some of them did not believe him, and they left him. And that's hardly possible to believe, but that's what happened. So Hmm. what is the gift that we receive in the Lord's Supper? Forgiveness of sins and the strengthening of faith is what we teach. Exactly. Exactly. Because that's what Jesus himself says. You know, receive his body for the forgiveness of sins. And this is really a, well, uh, uh, a precruiser of what's going to be happening in heaven. Because in heaven there is a heavenly banquet with Jesus. And that's something we're looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Revelations 21. Yep. In, in fact, who do we say we're communing with in the Lord's Supper? It's part of the liturgy. I'll start it off with angels. And archangels and all the company of heaven. Yes. Now, how is that a comfort to people here on earth? You know, I've had one pastor describe it as we're we're standing at our altars uh, saying this company of angels and uh, and heavenly hosts. And on the other side, we're on the one side and on the other side of heaven is our loved ones who have passed away. And they're in heaven proclaiming before the altar of God. Yes. Now, they are not knowledgeable about us. It says in the Bible that even Abraham, now that he's died, does not know what's going on on earth. Uh, But the only time that they knew anything, can you think of an occasion when two of the saints were aware of what was going on on earth? Well, that would have been at the transfiguration of Christ with uh, Moses and Elijah. 
Yes, Moses and Elijah. And that's interesting because we know that Elijah didn't normally die. He was taken up into heaven in a chariot. But we know that Moses did die and was buried by God on the mountain. And yet he appeared also. How can he appear before the resurrection? As a spirit. Exactly. Remember, Mm -hmm. every human being who is a believer in Christ, at the very moment of their death, in the spirit, they are taken to be with Jesus in heaven, and they are waiting for the time when their bodies will be reunited with them on the day of judgment. You know, actually, it's kind of a comfort to know that they're not that our loved ones are not looking down from heaven on us. Uh, you know, as you sometimes see in TV uh, programs, yes. where oh, they're looking down and they're happy with what we're doing. Well, I I would think there's stuff that they would not be happy with that we're doing in our lives. Plus, when they see injury or accident happen to us, they would not be in bliss. But the Bible says that they are in bliss at all times. And so that's a perfect reason that you've given why they are unable to know what's going on on earth, that God keeps them from that. When we... um, I attend the grave or visit the grave of my son who died in a motorcycle accident. I don't talk to him. I talk to Jesus and then let Jesus tell him what Jesus wants him to know. And so a lot of people are actually thinking that they're talking to their loved ones when their loved ones don't hear them unless Jesus gives them information. Right. And I heard a great funeral sermon here this last week by a, a Missouri Senate Lutheran pastor who, who talked about the, the baptism of, of the deceased, how he was brought to baptism, and how his baptism was completed at his death. And that's yes. something Luther had taught. Yes, because... In baptism, that means the sacrament of baptism, we are buried with Christ, we are risen from the dead, and what we're looking forward to is being taken to ascend into heaven. And that's what happens at the moment of our death, is we have ascended in Christ, because he's the head and he's at the right hand and we're part of the body, but fully to ascend would occur at the moment of our death and definitely on the day of judgment when our bodies are reunited with our spirit. And that's the death being the effects that, uh, of, of a fallen world that we have that we cannot take the, those sins with us into heaven, but Christ, who by his death has, has sanctified our bodies. Yes, 
Now, it's very true that we believe the Roman Catholics do receive the Lord's Supper, and the Lutherans do, of course, but we do not believe the Reformed do because that is not what they believe. And apart from that faith, according to 1 Corinthians 11, what was happening to some of the people when they didn't believe it was the true body and blood of Christ? Well, they were getting sick, and some even have uh, died as a result of it. Yes. Now, that doesn't mean they went to hell, but it, it meant that that was a negative consequence of them taking the Lord's Supper in an inappropriate way. So we do not believe that the Reformed, like the Baptists and the Calvinists, that they do receive the Lord's Supper because they don't intend to receive it. They don't confess they're receiving it. And to receive it, one also, remember what the pastor says, upon this, your confession. And without that confession, then we do not have them receiving the Lord's Supper. And so... Isn't that where we see some of those abuses? Uh, I haven't heard of it for a while, but I would hear that they would substitute Coca-Cola and potato chips or Kool-Aid and No, I had a good friend who was a vicar at a university, and they considered the Lord's Supper just to be a meal at that time. And though they used bread and wine in our day, we use potato chips and Coca-Cola, and that's what they used because they only thought of it as a fellowship meal, not as a holy sacrament where one receives the body and blood of Christ. So we hopefully churches, if they're attending a Monday, Thursday service, will be receiving the Lord's Supper as we will at the four congregations we're preaching at today. And we thank, indeed, the wonderful advice of our fellow pastor in giving us information on the Lord's Supper. We won't be here tomorrow, but we'll back on Monday with Law and Gospel. Law and Gospel God bless you. On KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.